Okay, welcome to the latest episode of Towel Light Talk. I know it's been a little while, but we're back, and this is a really, really important episode to us. We've been talking a lot about Star Wars lately, so this is going to be a Force Awakens-centric podcast. Lots and lots and lots and lots of spoilers. If you have not seen the movie, don't listen. Go see the movie first. <laughs> like that's all I can say. So this is Casey, and I have a couple of guests with me. Introduce this, yourself. This is Chris, and this is Moses. And you guys will recognize us all from don'tforgetatowel.com, the only place to travel geekly and to completely geek out on Star Wars, especially on Sundays. Star Wars Sundays, everything is Star Wars centric. Um, but. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today, so don't be surprised, guys. This is probably going to be the first of at least two episodes, <laughs> depending on how crazy we get here. So um, let's uh, let's you know we're not even going to talk about news. Honestly, we're just going to get right into this movie, and we've been waiting for our entire lives to see a sequel to Return of the Jedi. So I really just want to open it up right now to just kind of like maybe your your experience going to the movie, seeing the movie. Um, I don't care who goes first, and we'll, we'll all go around and just kind of talk about like everything. I mean, we've talked about in podcasts, like what was it like leading up to this movie, but let's go. Who wants to start? I'll start. All right. I'll, I'll start because the movie came out on my birthday, and... I really feel like that was like the best birthday present I could have ever gotten in my life. Seriously. I mean, I made jokes about it, how maybe like the force willed itself to come out on my birthday, but but whatever. It made it made working like I work in the restaurant industry and I work hardcore through the holidays. It's like I hate the holidays. <laughs> and it's like everybody loves the holidays, but I, I love it, but at the same time it's like the bane of my existence. So it was beautiful to be able to like leave work early go down to the theater and get in line and just, like, get ready to watch this movie. Um, and, you know, of course, it was, like, first night IMAX and just just get really excited for it. Um, my wife and I went. Uh, we we got there, and the line wasn't that long. That was always, like, my worry that, you know, you get there and the line is super long. you got to wait, not a good, get a good seat. But um, it all worked out beautifully, and... Um, that really just it just made the whole night for me and my birthday. How about Happy for you, birthday Moses? again, by the way? Thank you. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. Like, are we talking about right before it came out, or you know, when we first heard Seven's coming out? No, no, no. Because we've kind of gone over that for the last yeah. year and so, a half, two years. I mean, obviously, I was like super excited for it, but I think it wasn't until because my tickets weren't until Saturday morning. And it wasn't until Thursday, during the first showing of it here, where I realized, okay, I, I realize I'm not watching it until Saturday, but technically it's out. Technically I can go to the theater and it's playing. Yeah. And it kicked in. Like the realization of this thing that I've been waiting for since I was a kid is there. And I freaked out. I was like at work, <laughs> and if you guys know Futurama, there's that episode where Fry's like, had way too much coffee. I was like that for the next two days. I was just <laughs> trembling and freaking out. <laughs> it was, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been more nervous and excited at the same time. Now, I wanna, what was it? I, I just want to ask you a question because you waited. You, I mean, it's not that you waited, but you got your tickets for Saturday. Were you, were you able to really avoid spoilers and just like... Yeah. I, I did not log on to Facebook for, for days. Um... Like, I only had one kid at work that had seen it before me, and he, I told him, I was like, dude, either you don't come to work or you come and don't mention the story, you know what I mean? Like, but I avoided everything. I was like, and in fact, I never had avoided something so much. I mean, I had not logged into Facebook and then Twitter and stuff for two days. I've never done that in my life. That was like, <laughs> and, um, and in fact, I actually read that, uh, Abrams was really excited about that because he even wrote about it. He's like, I've never seen more people avoid um, spoilers. Uh, like, I guess this was worldwide. People were just avoiding this because they didn't want it. They, they weren't asking for more trailers. People were complaining, don't show us anymore, like publicly. So it was a communal thing, and that, that was awesome. Like, 
you know, it definitely felt like part of the crowd and part of the, the team that wanted this. Yeah, I think um, even now, in, in like I said at the beginning of this episode, we're going to go into spoilers, <laughs> but the big ones have not been released online, even still. Yeah. Like, I googled for a picture of Luke Skywalker from this Nothing. movie. Did not see it. I Nothing. looked to, for the ending, you know what I mean, the ending, and like, um, you know, the big, we'll go into it, uh, just some of the big plot points, you can't find them, yeah. which is awesome, which is insane. Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I really wanted to get that picture of Luke and Ray on, on, on the Skellig, and like, as my as my Facebook banner picture, and there's nothing out there. It's a, you wouldn't want to ruin that already, thing. Chris? <laughs> I don't know. Everybody else, yeah. if you haven't seen it by now, that's your own damn fault. Well, no, because there is people like even Sherry, who writes for us, the Chinese also. <laughs> um, Sherry hasn't had a chance to see it. Uh, Jackie seeing it tonight. I think a lot of people were waiting for Christmas specifically to see it with their families. Yeah, yeah but I, I get that. <clears throat> people, I mean, we're obviously going to have to go over all this stuff, so... Right. So, Moses and, and Chris, going back a little bit, um, what was it like you're sitting in the theater now and, you know, Lucasfilm shows up, you know, you don't have the 20th Century Fox, you know, ba 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 which we're used to, but <clears throat> Lucas plays and that scroll hits. What it do was, you... Yeah. I just, I just felt that it was very sudden. Um, like, you, you want that, that fanfare. You expect the fanfare. Uh, not that we expect it, but we were so used to it um, that Lucasfilm pops up. They said there was going to be no Disney logo. And all of a sudden, the scroll came. You know, Star Wars and the scroll. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's already started. You know, so it was... It was very sudden. It was it was just there, um, opposed to opposed to like seeing the other movies in the theaters uh, previously. It was a little different for me. I mean, like one thing I noticed is they had a lot of trailers, and I love the trailers. But for the first time, I was like, I do not care. Start the damn movie. <laughs> like that is what I'm. I've seen Batman. I've seen the other one. I've seen. Independence Day trail. I've seen all this stuff, and sure, it's nice to see them on the big screen, but I did not like that. There was only one reason I'm there. And so, you know, Lucasfilm starts, the whole theater goes quiet, and then the thing starts scrolling. I mean, I got emotional. I know a lot of people did. And then there's like, it was this awkward silence for like three, four seconds as, this, you know, everybody got it. And then the whole freaking theater cheered, obviously. And it was awesome. I was like, this is it. This is, this is happening. I think that's awesome that like you went to a Saturday show and people are still cheering. It's like, um, oh, yeah. I went to, I went again on Sunday and people were still cheering. It's just like, it's just like this monumental um, enthusiasm for this movie, and it's just, it's awesome to see how many people are excited just to be there and, and experience it. Yeah, I went. Um, so I waited all day on Thursday from eleven <laughs> o'clock in the morning when the theater <laughs> opened until you know seven o'clock, and I had done it for all the Star Wars movies um, mm -hmm. since the prequels, and Chris was there from the at least for two of them. No. You were there for were you there for all three? I was. I did Olean for one and two, and then we did three in Rochester. Yes. So yeah. So I mean, shit. Um, you know, we we that's tradition at this point for me, and uh, you know there was it was funny because like there was two people ahead of line of us. We we're uh, three in line, and um, you know it was a long day, but it also wasn't staying till midnight, which is what I was used to doing too. So staying till seven o'clock made a big difference. And then sitting in that theater, and we got to sit in the seats around three forty, and it was at that <laughs> point that my anticipation was like, whoop, like <laughs> that's when shit hit, and it started to get real. And then I remember seeing that scroll. And I just, I threw my hands up, and I go, this movie is about finding Luke Skywalker. Are you fucking kidding me? And I, well, actually, I just want, I want to ask you a question. You went to see IMAX, right? Of course. Did you get the poster? I did not. 
Me neither. It I was for AMC, AMC theaters. Uh, only the, was only I was at AMC, and I guess it's only for the first showing. So they have, the they, they have a special Poe one for the first showing on this Sunday, too. Every weekend at yep. AMC IMAXs will be a new special poster. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's that Poe with the um, uh, X-Wings that's coming out this weekend. And there were, the one before it last weekend was Ray and BB-8 and Jakku. Yep. So every weekend, on, there's one. Have these already gone on eBay for sale and stuff? <laughs> for your first I child? Yeah, I haven't checked yet. But, um, Actually, I do I'm want to mention... Give it up. <laughs> no, no, no. I just want to mention, um, it was not that I was in like kind of Moses' boat where I had to wait till Saturday and, and avoid spoilers like that, but we went to the second showing of the IMAX, and so we ran the risk of the first people coming out of that theater. So I brought I brought like earplugs, the stuff you use for like swimming and stuff. And I'm just like sitting there reading Lost Stars, just like I guess I was pretending to read Lost Stars because I really couldn't concentrate on it. But um, that's that's how far I went to uh, kind of hide. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I went there, so I got the 10 o'clock, which was I, I thought it was the first IMAX, but I guess there was a 9 o'clock that I didn't know of. So I went there at 8, and there was already like a good 100, 150 people in line. And I'm like, all these people are for the IMAX. And I was like, great, I'm going to be up in front. I was like, whatever, I just wanted to get the spoilers out of the way. But as I'm waiting in line, like, I hear people, you know, I started talking to people, and I guess there's a 9 o'clock showing. So it was awesome because the majority of that line was actually for the 9 o'clock showing. So when I, I, I had the per- perfect seats for IMAX, which was a big plus. And it was all adults next to me too, so you didn't have a bunch of – not, you know, little kids, they, they love it too, but you know what I mean. When you have this, like, little kid yeah. kicking and making noise, it's Absolutely. a lot more distracting. But while, while I was waiting in line, I was, I thought, I was like, I should have brought my headphones. I totally forgot about that. I'm, I was afraid someone would, I couldn't help thinking of that Simpsons lock scene where Homer yes. walks out. He's like, yes. I can't believe Darth Vader is Luke's father. That's all I thought about. I was like, <laughs> I, will, I will punch somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, it worked out though. Nothing was spoiled, and um, and like you mentioned, that thing. And maybe we'll talk about it a little later. But how the first sentence is straight up, Luke Skywalker is gone, and I I think that I appreciate that a lot. That and how they talked about Kylo near the beginning. Like you almost find out almost immediately what's going on there, and. It was a good thing because it wasn't like those were the two main questions, and it, they're not gonna—he's not gonna do some kind of trickery where he's gonna leave everything for the end. He's like, here, this—you guys want to know about this? This is what's going on. Let's just watch the movie, kind of thing. I, you know, I kind of had the feeling that this would be, you know, it would be more like almost like a role-playing game where these new characters they exist in the Star Wars universe and they go and they meet these. Meet the classic characters, and as yes. you're going through this journey, yeah, what a journey the Force Awakens. But um, as you're going through this, it's like the ultimate goal was to find Luke Skywalker. So it's like you met Han Solo along the way, and then you met Princess Leia or General Leia along the way, and then finally the ultimate goal was they found Luke Skywalker. And yeah. I think that was like kind of the amazing thing about it. That, um, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, I guess, with the high and the low points. But just, just just meeting up with all these different familiar characters made it, you know, feel like a Star Wars movie. Um, yeah. Opposed to maybe how some of us feel about the uh, the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Well, during the during you know the filming and stuff, I remember reading how when it first started, you know, the writers initially were like, "Oh, it's just about the new characters," and Abraham like he's like, "No, the old characters are in this movie is going to be about passing of the torch," and it felt like that. It you, you felt like this; these new ones, like like you just said, they're meeting all these old characters, but you can tell like who the new ones were and the, their their heroic stereotypes of, or the classifications of like the lost character, you know, similar right. to Luke's and stuff. And I know a lot of people com- are complaining, and we'll get to that about a lot of similarities, but you know, even those are important, I think, in this in this trilogy and, and in this story. And it's not just Star Wars. This is a mythological thing that's been going on for, for centuries with tons of great stories and, and like that cycle. And so you, when you can see it both in the characters 
and the way it's filmed, I thought was amazing. Yeah, when you mentioned that the other day when we were talking on uh, on Messenger, that that the the idea of um, mythology is that it kind of repeats itself, um, and like if people want to complain about that, that's fine. But that's like you're like the one percent. Because the yeah. rest of us were like, we love that familiar feelings. There was an episode of Rebels like a few weeks ago that was like a, a New Hope clone. And I was like, this episode is amazing because it gives you that same feel. It makes you feel like this is a Star Wars universe. And yeah. it just, it just it, that's what did it for me, you know, with The Force Awakens. And, and it's just a beautiful yeah. thing. Well, one of the things that Lucas has always mentioned is that the movies are like poems and they go through different stanzas, and they go through different rhymes, and they do repeat themselves. And when you go and actually like study, even shot for shot, let alone like different beats and storylines of the prequels compared to the original trilogy, Lucas has always wanted to go and do, okay, this is like this. You know what I mean? Like... Anakin and Luke are the same. They're both from Tatooine, blah, blah, blah. Like, little things that come up here. In this one, I will say that even though I love this movie, I listened to one of my coworkers today complain about it and how it's, it is a bit of a double-edged sword. And I'm going to leave this to our low point section, but, like, there are some beat-for-beat beat things that happen. Like, the beginning of the movie... Let's give this droid the location of Luke. Let's give this droid um, information about Obi-Wan. Let's go send the black-cloaked figure to go rescue it. Let's go send the other black-cloaked figure. Like These are yeah, things that are like, almost too. in order. Like, bam, 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 bam. This is a new hope. And like for me, for you, for us, like it goes, okay... You have to do something that's not the or the prequels because everybody hates them for the most part, and you have to have something that's familiar, or else you're not going to let the old people who love the, um, you know, the original trilogy come in. So how do you do it? You know what I mean? Do you go and do a lot of remnants of a movie that's fucking kick-ass that everyone loves forever, that's in the top 75 AFI of all time? Or do you go and copy the ones from the prequels? Well, I'll tell you which ones you copy. There yeah. you go. I, I I just want to mention, I don't want to go off too much of a tangent about the prequels, but, you know, in in great, like, in Shakespearean writing and all that stuff, there's, there's, there's tragedies and everything like that. So if you take a look at the prequels as a tragedy, you know, that whole storyline is very sad. It is. It's tragic, and it, it really doesn't really be- it it sets itself aside from what uh, the original trilogy did and kind of I guess what they're setting up here so you have kind of a jovial a jovial story um, there's you know there's tragedy but at the same time you're there is a new hope in both the original trilogy and what they're building into now um, the maybe you know I, I, I don't even want to get into it I think we should talk about the prequels at some other point um, right but I, I understand completely what you're saying. There's there's a lot of things that are like carbon copy of of a New Hope, but isn't that isn't that an okay thing if they deliver something fresh at the same time? Yeah, I, I think because it was a good blend between that and something new. And one thing is, I mean, to me the the repetition hit the melancholic spot. You know what I mean? Like I, I love. I was like, oh, this is like watching that one. You know, like the, the, the original one. Um, at the same time, it also felt like a little bit like Return of the Jedi, too. There was more elements going on at the same time than New Hope had on its own. New Hope was a very linear story. Mm-hmm. While Return of the Jedi, there was different things going on, and so it kind of felt like that to a certain extent. Um, but I read somewhere, and it makes sense, where the prequel trilogy, they sometimes they feel a little more childish. I'm sure everybody can agree with that. And that was an attempt to bring in a younger generation. I think a good way of bringing in a younger generation here is by kind of showing them what Star Wars was like for us when we were young. And I, it was a, to me, it was a more correct way because now everybody who hadn't seen those got that feel, the exact feel of what, that, what mm-hmm. New Hope was to us when we saw it. And I don't think the the, the sequels are going to continue with that. You know what I mean? It was just this one. It was just 
let's do this correctly. Let's start this. You know, we're going to use that, you know, part, part of that formula so that we get that feel because it's that feel that's what is, what's important here. We're going to introduce the new characters and then the story's going to take off because it's not yep. only eight and nine now. It's There's going to be the, the, the Rogue One. There's going to be the Han Solo and who knows how many other movies are going to come out. I mean... This, is, this just opens up a whole new world. And the biggest fear was if Disney can do this, and they did end the story. Like, we're, we're in good hands, in my, in my opinion, and I can't wait for anything they throw our way. Yeah, $250 million, like, talks, <laughs> talks big. So it's like, you know, you know, you can only imagine, like, what they did with Marvel. I mean, they can do 100 times to, the, to Star Wars, you know, whether or not, you know, it's, whether, you know, they can just, Go into all these different time periods. There's just so much they can do. Um, I, I I just want to mention because you're talking about like like sharing it with these new generations, like with with people that have children and and like building this whole new generation of Star Wars where it'll go beyond our lifetime. You know, that's kind of I read that on Vine even where if Di if this was successful, where Disney could take it past you know where we where we pass away and like. In generations, which is kind of sad to me because I don't get to know everything. But um, <laughs> the but I was you know I we gifted um, the original trilogy to my nephew for his birthday this year, and he watched it and he loved it. Da da da. But then he was like, I want to I want to watch the prequels. At the same time, I was hesitant to give it to him because you know they don't have the same they don't have the same message. It's almost like you know can you do without them? But you. It was tough, so I, I I gave him my DVDs for Christmas. You know, it was like that thing. I like, what am I gonna do with these? I don't. Did he see them? No, uh, he hasn't gotten them yet. He gets some. Uh, he gets some on Christmas. So I saw a lot of kids that loved the, the, those new ones. You know, young kids like my nephew who's eight. He loved those new ones, and they're like, cartoony. You know if that's what's gonna get you into Star Wars, and you know, thumbs up to Lucas, man. I mean, I know a lot of people hate on the on the on the prequels, and I have a lot of issues with them but I think they get a lot more hate than they deserve. There are a lot of messages, political and stuff. Yes. The, the story is great. The story well, is great. It's, it's the acting and the, and the script that's bad. I don't want to even right. that's a, yeah, that's talk a different, about prequels, honestly. No. <laughs> Another I time. Get, but the whole idea of the story of Star Wars is a great thing for, for everybody, um, new yeah. generations and everybody. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. So... Let's get into The Force Awakens, right? Here we are. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Where's the counter at here? We can, I can tell you where, we're, uh, where we are. Like, so we're 23 minutes in. Let's get into The Force Awakens. <laughs> we told you guys, this is going to be multiple episodes. We've got to things up. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, so I, we've already touched upon the fact that it feels like Star Wars. Like, that's obviously probably the biggest thing about it is that regardless of any other of the bad points that we'll get to eventually, it feels like Star Wars and therefore it's good. You know what I mean? Um, what did we think about? So we had Lawrence Kasdan coming back as director or sorry, writer. <laughs> Lawrence Kasdan back as writer. He wrote Empire Strikes Back. He wrote Return of the Jedi. He's writing this and he's writing the Han Solo movie that he's done and then we got J.J. Abrams as director where are we at in those two fields? Moses? Side note, is he staying as writer for the other two as well? No. He's only writing the Han Solo movie, then he's done. Um, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson, who's directing Episode 8, is writing Episode 8, and Colin Trevorrow is writing Episode 9, directing Episode 9, with J.J. Abrams overseeing everything. That's good. And Disney, uh, one thing, I mean, you know, how much Disney is involved, I don't know, but... They know how to put a team together. I mean, from They're the animated films, hundred percent involved. So what? You know what? Pick whoever you want. Clearly, you have not disappointed me yet. So do your thing. I mean, Disney is a machine that says, "This is where we are going." You either accept it, or like where you don't. You know, Edgar Wright. You know what I mean? Like Josh like Trank. Josh Trank. Like. I'm sorry, you know what I mean? Like, Ant-Man might be different, and I'm sure I would have loved to see an Edgar Wright Ant-Man because I fucking think he's a brilliant director and writer. But, like, Disney says, 
bam, bam, bam. This is what you need to do. And, you know, at least for Marvel, for Star Wars, it was probably Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams going, this is where we're going. I'm sure the skeleton of 7, 8, and 9 has already been written. Now it's just, let's get the beats, you know, in between those points. Well, J.J. Abrams made a statement, though, he's... He's kind of upset that he's not as involved in it as he as he could be after yeah, he's read the script. <laughs> so that makes me feel pretty uh, positive about what's coming next. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So okay, J.J. Abrams. I I have. A, I mean, on Gourmet Scum Radio, we did a whole episode, re, you know, regarding J.J. Abrams. We love him. What did you guys think of the direction of the movie? It's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I always thought he was a great director. I loved all his stuff. Um, I, I like how a lot of people complained about, you know, complain how he uses lens flares a lot. And I was like, bam, no more lens flares, you know, like, he does it for certain movies. Like, he directed it the way a Star Wars film was meant to be directed. Like, I remember, so I got emotional when it, you know, when it first started scrolling the script. And then I remember it was like a few scenes into it. Um, I think it was right after... Uh, Ray meets BB-8, and they start, you know, they just start walking off. And you know, when I when I'm seeing a movie, I have, I mean, you know, we were in film school together. There, there's the the fan part of me, but then there's the critical part, the right. dialogue, the acting, the the where the the camera shot, where the angle, the the music. And even with the prequels, I remember from that very first scene with Obi Wan and Qui Gon, the script fell a little off. The way right. they were talking, it was very stoic and cold and not emotional. So even those, as much as, you know, they're Star Wars and they're good, I, I noticed it a bit from the beginning. So 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes into this one, I'm noticing all this. And so they're walking off and I just, again, it clicks. I'm just like, oh my God, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. It's, it's done right. I'm about to see the rest of this movie the way it was meant to be, you know, shot at least, you know, whatever the story goes, I don't know yet. But it just it felt like Star Wars. It felt like a well-produced Star Wars, a well-cast Star Wars. Um, and you could tell from even from the get-go with the with BB-8 and then the aliens and everybody, like it was real. Like, he went out of his way to make sure that everything was, you know, the way it was supposed to be. In, re- <clears throat> in regards to that, I I really agree with that because if, when you watch the prequels, like the only person who seems to really want to be there is Obi Wan Kenobi. Like, <laughs> like Ian McGregor was like. He held those movies. Yeah. Like if you don't have a full cast doing that, then it's not like it's not well, you know, put together. So <clears throat> I I agree with you, like saying that when you watch these, when you watch the characters interact and they make jokes together, and they just they just they just all seem to be long there. Yeah, I mean, and I think yet again it has a lot more to do with like. It's a sequel to Return of the Jedi. It's a lived-in world. It's a world where the aliens don't all talk English, and they don't talk racist <laughs> English. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, guess what? Jim Henson made a fucking puppet, and I believe it. You know what I mean? Like, Even though some people complained about like that vulture that was like pecking, because it, it clearly looks like a puppet, but I was like, hey... I fucking love Muppets. I'd rather see a puppet than see CGI. You could tell when exactly. something's CGI. Exactly. That's, like that's, the, that's the problem. Like, people will be like, oh, that's, they, they complain about CGI, and then you get the other thing, and then they complain about that. Like, they're going to complain no matter what you give them at this point. Do you remember, remember in Return of the Jedi when they, when, they, when they go outside of Jabba's palace and there's like that weird frog thing and he eats the... Yeah. That's yeah. Like the same thing. Yeah. It's like, I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> I mean, like, that's the kind of stuff, you know, like, nobody complained, like, when BB-8 does the roll-by and, like, that little alien pops its head out of the sand and, like, looks at him. Like, that was, like, well, that's cool. That was the the start of that real feel of, like, oh, my God, puppets. This is a, this is, well, that and the fact that, you know, you're seeing, even before that, there's one of the, um... Uh, first order, who's like got a gun to the head of like a uh, alien, but he's clearly animatronic. 
Like mm-hmm. he's screaming. You know what I mean? Like you clearly yeah. see like this is an alien fucking dude getting shot. Not a CGI dude, like a dude with a mask on. And even a, awesome. a few minutes later when yeah, when Ray meets BB eight, there's that what's that person on that big creature, the armored creature? Mm-hmm. Tito. Oh yeah, Tito. Yeah. yeah. I see that and I my first thought is when Anakin and Amidala are on, on the creatures there, which is all CGI oh, and fake And I'm like, yes. that's it, right there. Like that's real fake. Real fake. And I mean it's just like it, it puts you more there. It makes it more realistic. And Well, it it doesn't only do that, it puts the actors there too, because you can exactly. see how empty the acting was. Because yeah. like you're in front of green screens the whole time. So what do you really you know, like when you watch the original trilogy and they're all in Jabba's palace and there's all that, like, amazement around you, of course you can get into the scene more. Yeah. Let's, um, keeping keep on about the realism, I wanted to talk about, yes, practical effects. The, the fucking, the monsters are there, you know, um, which is amazing. The ships, the environments, like, those are all real. You're all... There. I also wanted to talk about um, the realism of the stormtroopers. Finally, like these guys can shoot. They're fucking <laughs> badass. Yeah. They have personalities. One of them was a female, and like when somebody got shot with a blaster shot, either giving or receiving, you fucking felt it. Yes. Unlike all the other yes. movies. Yes. Totally agree, totally. I mean, like, that. when the, the opening scene, where they're just, like, attacking, I felt horrified. I was like, holy, it's like watching, like, it's just bad, like, not bad, uh, like a, a documentary where it's just disturbing almost, you know? It's just like, it didn't feel like, I mean, you felt the loss of life and the, lo- and the destruction versus, you know, just it being a movie or an act. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's um like as I was watching, like like I said, people getting shot, and I know this is bad to say that, but like it was realistic. <laughs> I I need to I, I have to mention I've been reading Lost Stars, which goes through like how people train the Imperial Academy, and you know how you, like you really kind of explore more that side of 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 the Star Wars universe. So it was kind of cool to see um, that you know. The stormtroopers have more personality. Uh, you can draw a lot of like um, parallels with Finn and how he he wanted to escape that um, because that's very similar to like a character in Lost Stars. Um, just you like they're doing terrible things to people and like is everybody okay with that? You know, it's like like what kind of person does that make you? Yeah, they they address it within itself in the movie too because you know where he takes off the helmet and what's her name is like. Who told you to take? It's like that's just this mentality. This, 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 yeah, there's there's this mentality as a as an army to keep them impersonal. Like you can't be a face. You have to be a stormtrooper, and it's almost like this way of controlling them and keeping them under control. You know what I mean? If he takes off the mask and someone else sees there's a person behind that, then you start feeling more. And it was interesting to like the, all these little things that they did in the film. That, and I saw that everywhere with a lot of things, which I appreciate a lot. Um, and I'm sure we'll mention a bunch of these throughout the, the, the talk now. But um, Thanks, five hours. That, that was just a really interesting scene <laughs> to me where, like, you know, she's like, who, who told you you could take your, your helmet off? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, that, um, oh, go on. No, no, I was just going to say that's – and that's exactly the parallel I was drawing to the book um, that – you know, these people they go into the Imperial Academy thinking that you know they're doing oh they're going they're going to do good, and then you find out oh oh we're going to go murder people. <laughs> it's like this is so, this is what I'm this is what I signed up for. I'm gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate in this, because, and let me just say this, I'm not gonna give our final rating until the end, but obviously we all love the movie. And for me to nitpick at anything is me, like, searching for things to nitpick at. So I just wanted to preface it by this. What you're saying in Lost Stories are people who sign up to be inside the Academy and then realize things are like, whoa, that's too far. Finn, 
who gets taken from birth and brainwashed as a baby and is put into sanitation, <laughs> A, probably doesn't have that much combat training. Yep. B, if you've been taken from birth and brainwashed as a Hitler child, you would not for one second turn back on that. I'm sorry. It's just not believable. Unless uh, down so. unless down deep you're a good person because that kind of you're goes a fucking listen, baby got brainwashed. But, that, but listen, there's always that argument of nature versus nurture. Always. I agree with you completely, and at the same time I'm gonna argue that um, that maybe inside you don't you you don't feel that's right. He was taken not as a baby, he was taken as a young like you know, like in Rebels when they do the Imperial training. I'm sure it was like <clears throat> like seven, eight years old. You know what I mean? And not to mention the fact that he was like in sanitation fits more because he never saw that. It was when he was first put on that where he's just like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, I thought we're whatever. And, I mean, who knows how that is. Uh, and, again, a, a lot of the story is, you know, his role is important on how things play out. And, you know, the Force works in mysterious ways. <laughs> a, I mean, the point... Like, so you're, you're putting your faith over... Uh... <laughs> No, but I mean, brainwashing. Right, we'll continue yes. while I have like there's a, there's a bunch of samples even from the old movies where it it was just like how did that happen and it's just like there is no coincidence basically. I'm, Things I'm, happen for like a reason, and certain characters he was meant to feel that because he was meant to be the one that that you know takes Poe off to save Poe is... and, and the story continues. I'm playing devil's advocate completely. Um, obviously, the writers meant for him to do these things. <laughs> it just seems yes. very unbelievable that a kid brainwashed from childbirth would all of a sudden wake up and be like, you know what, maybe. I don't even know why he got put on a mission in the first place when you're a janitor, but... Whatever, I suspend my disbelief because I'm a fucking Star Wars fan and I'm watching a movie that has aliens as real characters. So whatever. Chris And and and, and not to mention that he can actually wield a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll get I into read that. about that actually that's because different. like that's obviously different. they're trained with those other weapons too. Yeah. And it's, no, I it's agree. a sword. And I actually I agree like that. both that. I remember even watching the Clone Wars, one of those the Mandalorians, he has the dark saber. Yes. And it's like, it shows you that these, I mean, even originally, before the movies, Lucas intended stormtroopers to have all yeah. lightsabers. I mean, they're, they're, they're meant to be really powerful swords. Sure, they're more dangerous because you can cut yourself a lot easier. Um, but I like the fact that the, it's spread a little more, that sure, the Jedis are masters with this, but, you know, so were the Samurais, but they weren't mm -hmm. the only people who had swords. So, I mean, they had the, the, the known, you know, the katana, which was deadlier than, than most weapons and the way they used it. But I think that was the kind of the idea with, with the Jedi monks and their lightsabers. doesn't mean other people can. Obviously, he wasn't that good with it. He got his ass whooped by that one guy with the Viper sword or whatever, and then he got his ass whooped later on. But that doesn't mean he can't hold it and wield it and, you know, attempt. But I, oh, totally back agree. to what we were saying... I agree with you, uh, Casey, because one one issue I had with that is like, if he's straight out of sanitation, what is he doing on Kylo's team? I mean, that's like top level. You, you know what I mean? Like, so somebody called that your, sick. You you would have the, the 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 troopers that were in fifty wars and you know can shoot a fly off a can. You know what I mean? Versus, oh, we're gonna bring this new guy in. He's been good at cleaning stuff. <laughs> I. I think that Kylo Ren's force there is a little presumptuous. Uh, presumptuous. Um, I don't think they're really, really all that, really all that's you know meant to be. The First Order, they they stem out of the the Empire. We're seeing we're seeing a very young, um, new force of force of bad guys, which will be interesting to kind of read about how they build that in the new canon. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I mean, their leadership is like is is Kylo Ren, who is like. Like a fifth-throwing Sith wannabe, you got General Hux, who you know they just like want to fight between each other. He's a he's classic like a imperial. Rat. Yeah. yeah, but he's a classic imperial. And then you got um, we'll, we'll talk about 
Snoke in a little bit, but um. <laughs> but I mean, well, yeah, I'll... doesn't it? I, see, I, I need to see it again. But doesn't you it do. say that the first order came about after Luke disappeared? The if you read the aftermath trilogy, the aftermath trilogy will end with the 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 fall of the empire. That's basically what they're working towards, and then once the empire falls during that time period. A new evil have to, has to arrive or whatever, you know, or arise. Um, and as we find out with Kylo Ren, you know, Ben Ben Skywalker defies Luke Skywalker's training and, and either murders all the young, like the young Jedi or whatever happens. So but we'll he, see. Does he join the First Order or does the First Order get created during that time? Because I think, I think in, the, in the opening credits it says, following, you know, Skywalker's disappearance. Kylo Ren, you know, in the First Order, or I don't know, yeah. I forget, like, what it says, but it, it almost made it seem like, you know, the Empire lost, the Republic was kind of, the New Republic was kind of yep. formed, and then, like, as soon as, like, these Jedis, like, took that big hit, there's this new team that's like, yo, let's do this. Let's yeah. get back to the Empire, basically, and let's, let's... Well, that's, that's classic, that's even classic Expanded Universe, that there's always a new Empire or some, something like that. So, it's... It's like you said. It's it's the it's the cycle of mythology in the Star yeah. Wars universe. Um, but uh, you know, bef- we want to concentrate on Force Awakens. But I would say that um, the rise of Snoke and you know him taking Ben under his wing really just kind of like spawns the, the First Order. Yeah. So uh, and, uh, that's uh, again. But we don't know anything. The, the little thing. One of the the little things that I loved about they, this this movie just felt like it was giving a lot more attention to the universe and the mythos of Star Wars as a whole. I mean, from the flags they had uh, at that place, you know, representing all these things, from the fact that now you actually saw all these space pirates, man. They were obviously all bought out. They wanted the money, but you got to see different factions and different... Before, you had Jabba that you know was a gangster, but... You didn't really, you know, there wasn't, you know, there was the Jedi's, the Rebels, the Empire, and Jabba. Here you're seeing different space pirates coming in. They're all like on bounties, bounty hunters. You're seeing like, it just, it, it just felt bigger. It felt more. And like throughout the whole movie, I can think of, oh my God, there's so much they can tell about everything. I, I actually can draw, you know, you can draw really good parallels to like how the video games and, and books have treated it because it, it just opens up the universe more to to other characters besides what you're just concentrating on with, like, the main characters. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to um, go back real quick to Kylo Ren and Finn. When Finn leaves and says... Sorry, when Finn has that hesitation with killing and Kylo Ren notices... Yeah, he just stares at him or whatever. I don't think he noticed the hesitation. He just... He didn't notice that he didn't shoot... He just noticed that he was kind of frozen afterwards, and to me, it was at the time it was an implication that did, is he feeling like some force sensitivity there? Um, I mean, as of right now, it's not there, as we saw in the movie. You never know if it'll come later, and there's different theories of whether you know you're born with it or it's something that you can just believe in and dig deep down and kind of find it to a certain extent. Anyone can. I mean, that's how did I did. You say. Know. Did you say midichlorians? Nope. Oh, yeah, Absolutely I pretty did. Not. Okay. And, well, that's, that's the exact point. I was reading this article um, that was like, you know, we grew up thinking that that's accessible to any of us. You know, as a kid, you're like, you don't have to be born with it. You know what I mean? And that's something that the prequels kind of ruin. They're just like, well, you got to be born with it? What the hell is that? You know? And so I feel like the – what's her name? Zan Pan – I'm having a brain freeze. Mass Kanata? No, the wait. What was her name? Maz Kanata. Yeah, so she's a force sensitive. She's just not a Jedi. She says it. She's like, I, I know the force. I, I'm not a Jedi, but and I love that. It's like it's not just Jedi's. It's it's something that exists around us, and and some people are might be a little more sensitive to it. So at that time, even though I always felt, I don't know, like even from the trailer, I didn't think, I didn't think Finn was going to be the next Jedi. I, I knew that was just them teasing you with the trailer and yeah. stuff. Um, I ne- I never wanted that <laughs> because why 
why would you why would you make another male Jedi if you're yeah. trying to build like they've they made this huge concentration in the new canon to push these female characters. Yeah. It's almost like even when you watch the trailers and when you watch like when you watch film and you know how they set things up or the the way they they put things in linear order just to kind of to you know to to kind of show you what direction they're going in. You could kind of see that in the trailers, too, that they were developing Ray to really take that mantle. Yeah, and I think Abrams is also good, or whoever was putting those you know trailers together. Like, I also, I was almost sure that that scene where Ray's crying over someone, I, you know, and there's all these speculations on who that might be, I, was, I knew that whoever that person was, they weren't dead. Like, they wouldn't show that and have people, like... And, you know, it turned out to be at that scene, it was true. Like, he, whoever that was, which we'll mention later, was alive, you know. Um, well, but again, that, that's not to say yeah. that Finn might not become a Jedi later on. Who knows? You know, maybe they teach him how to to, to kind of focus and, and be that. We don't know that. Or he just might be, a, you know, a soldier that's just part of the story, his own character. I think that J.J. Um, Abrams has said that Finn is a character that we've never seen before in Star Wars. And I actually think that other than Poe, Finn and Rey and Kylo Ren are all characters that we've never seen before in Star Wars. I mean, Finn is a character that wants to get away from what he was born into. Rey is one of the most strong female characters in existence. As me, as a huge Buffy fan, like I love you know, kick-ass females. But yes. Buffy's a person who, like, didn't fully embrace that until she kind of had, had to. Whereas Ray, like, you get the impression that this chick has been kicking ass her entire life. Like, every single time with those guys are like, oh, I'll save you. Nope. Don't need it. Well, yeah, it. it's like they, they, open, they open the shot there. They're just like, well, let's, let's set the record straight. And it's almost like a joke. It's like, she doesn't need your help. I mean, everybody kind of laughed at that scene, right? It's just... And that was, I was like... Stop holding my hand. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, she is a female who, you know, most of the time when you see female characters in movies, like, say a kick-ass female character would necessarily be, like, um, the girl unwanted, right? Angelina Jolie. Completely kicks ass, awesome, but then she gives it all up for James McAvoy to stay alive. Yeah. And, like, that's ultimately her purpose is to die. Because yeah. of him. And it's like, ooh, <laughs> no. Whereas Ray, it's like, she's kicking ass. She doesn't need anyone. Even yeah. if there's something, sort of, maybe with her and Finn, that's more than just friendship, you get the impression that it doesn't matter because this chick is fine on her own. Yeah. I, it's like that scene where he, like she's like, oh, you came back to me, and you know they kind of look and she hugs him. Whether that was romantic or not, it didn't even cross my, my, my mind. They, they did such a good job of just, like, it was just an emotionally powerful, like, she was just happy to see him, and he did it. He made it there. You know, there was this accomplishment, this, this victory, the happiness on her, and it, whether, it, you know, the, ro the romance goes somewhere or not, if it's just a friendship, it, it didn't matter. And so, like, it was, again, good acting, good writing, good, good directing, it's... Super impressed in this. Uh, speaking of characters, by the way, I don't think I've ever been impressed in a movie where I loved every character so much. Like, from the get-go, Paul was awesome. Ray was awesome. Finn was great. BB-8 was... I mean, like, I just loved everything that was going on. Like, every time... You know, and I, I was like, I don't know if I'll like Poe, whatever. He's just going to be some, some, you know, rebellion or whatever, oh. resistance fighter. I don't know if I'm going to like this or I'm going to like that, but every character was just so unique and so real or, you know, so well thought out that I just I loved every character. Going back to Rey, I think it's important to kind of address the fact when when she's when she's abducted by by Kylo Ren. That's like that's a classic like damsel in distress scene. Yet she didn't need rescuing. So she's she's taken she and then she escapes and she and she's able to do all that on her own without yes, you know yes. they go to rescue her, which is and like the classic like nights and yeah she was on her way out and it's like oh oh and then when Han's like nodding behind Finn, you know to Finn like oh she's right there it's it's funny because it's like oh what are we gonna do we gotta rescue Ray oh no you don't 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. She's, she's so strong that she doesn't need that shit. Yeah, and again, like that scene where like they hug. It's I, 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 I didn't mean it in. She was like, "Oh, thank God you're here to rescue me." It was more just like an appreciation where it was a friendship for, for thing. The, uh, of the action that he took. That, oh, you actually, you know, before you, care you were about trying me. to run away, and now you actually stepped up. And yeah. So it was it was that. It wasn't like, uh, "Oh, thank God you're here" or anything. But no. yeah, that was it's. Uh, I gotta. Well, go let's <laughs> let's talk about. Um, I mean, I'm sure we'll keep talking about Ray and Finn, everybody. Let's talk about Kylo Ren. So here's. Here's the thing. When you have Darth Vader, you have a character who is light at first and gets drawn to the dark side. And he's the biggest bad on the planet. You've never seen anything like him. And until, the universe. In the universe. Until the... <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry, planet. Universe. Until the end of episode six, does he finally redeem himself? Um, Kylo Ren, you know, J.J. Lawrence Kasdan said... How do we make Darth Vader not Darth Vader? How do we do opposite Darth Vader and still make this evil person? Okay, let's make him whiny like Luke and Anakin, especially Anakin. Let's yeah. make him unstable like Anakin. Let's make him not as good as Anakin because he's constantly trying to strive towards him. And let's do something completely crazy, which is make him trying to fight the light side, which is something we've never seen in Star Wars. Clone Wars... Expanded universe, whatever. Yeah. We have never seen this before. You see the struggle within it. I thought, to me, that character, um, and it's like the prequels was Anakin, and the the originals was 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 Vader, and you actually saw the duality in here. And I think the duality was also represented with when he's wearing the mask and when he's not. Like when he took off the mask, you, you could see this almost, you know, questioning and, and, and timid personality to him, you know what I mean? But when it, when he had the mask on, he just felt more confident. And I obviously that's probably directed that way because with the mask, he felt more like, quote-unquote, Vader. And he's like, oh, I'm like Vader. I can do this or whatever. Um, but that, that struggle, and I think we mentioned it, like, you know, we were texting the other day where, you know, with him and, with him and, ha and Han um, – I think that scene, he intended to do what he did, but he hesitated. It wasn't like he was going to give it away and then he changed his mind. I think he initially, that was his plan, but he hesitated. The good in him hesitated. And so, like, he stalled, but then he went through with it after all. And you saw it in his face. You, like, it was, that scene was big, man. That scene was huge. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, he's just a, a character that it's, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like, we're, we're going to want to see him grow, but the only way that he can grow is to pure evil. <laughs> like, yeah. Right now he's, you know, semi-evil. And, well, you know, the big reveal that we'll, we'll talk more in depth about, like, brought him over that edge. But, right, you know, he's a... He's a fucking unstable, whiny yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> unstable is definitely like something I loved about that character. It, it you know, you, you always saw these these Siths and these these uh, the, you know Dooku and Palpatine and and Vader, and they're always so stale and quiet and composed. And he's just smashing shit and banging his wound, and I loved it. It was like so like. It was like unleashed, you know. It's like I would fear this guy a lot more because he's fucking crazy. Oh yeah, absolutely. We also have we, have, we also have no confirmation that any of these guys are um, are Sith anyhow. Well, not Sith, but, I mean, no, like, no, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's no mention of Sith. Right. And oh there's yeah. A rule of yeah. Two. We don't know. It's like there's always been this concept of dark Jedi. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's now we have Inquisitors. We have these Knights of Ren. Like, what, what are they really trying to build here? With who, who is who is Supreme Leader Snoke? No matter how ridiculous that stupid name is, but um, you know, it just like where where did this all come from? Where did Snoke come from? Is he, you know, is he a Dark Lord of the Sith? Is he trying to rebuild the Order? That's like this is the beautiful thing about this movie that that the prequels didn't do. 
that the original trilogy did was it, it, it created this sense of mystery. Yeah. We, we know existed, questions. Yeah. yeah, questions about what's coming next. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were. Ex- it makes us excited for the next movies because um, with the prequels, we're like, oh, we know that Anakin eventually falls to the dark side. Da 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 da. We know there's a clone army. We know there's a clone wars. So there was nothing really that. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, there was nothing that really. There's excited no stakes. Us. There's no stakes. Um, yeah. Obi Wan's you know not going to die. Not gonna die. There you go. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's really cool to walk out of this movie thinking, like, you know, 500 days from now, I need I need these answers. <laughs> I need these now. <laughs> so. Seriously, yeah. Totally so agree. keeping on the good stuff, I think what we'll do is let's talk about this last piece of good information, and then we'll continue on to the second part of the, the episode. We'll take Are we a there break. already? <laughs> and and, and side right note about good stuff. Right and I know this doesn't make the film, but you guys saw it in 3D, right? Yes. Uh, the 3D was times. super impressive. Because I've seen yes. a lot. Like, if it's a 3D, I'll usually see it, and some is more impressive. Some movies are more impressive than others. This is definitely one of the top, most impressive 3D I've seen. They've done such a good job with space. They did an amazing job with the space, with the, with the fighter battles, everything. Like, I was... The, the entire time, I was like, I'm so glad I'm watching this in 3D. I um, think so. I think the important thing about to realize about 3D these days is it's not just what pops out at you; it's what the depth of the movie. Yeah. Yes. And what they can really give you. Like there's a cool scene where like the the Star Destroyer is in your face, but yeah. there's not a whole lot of that. Like, oh, it's it's coming up. It's yeah. It just it, it creates this whole new plane of existence when you're watching a movie. I did I did watch it in 2D. I went to the Alamo Draft House on Sunday, and it's, it, I, I, I don't, I can't say that I, that I didn't like it more or less, um, but watching yeah. it in 2D was just as, it's, it's really impressive well, of course, as well, of because, course, yeah. um, there's nothing wrong with, with the 2D version of it, um, no, no, absolutely not, I'm sure, I mean, it was, a, it, it doesn't have the, the same cinematog- impact, cin- though, you know, the cinematography no, no, no. is excellent, yeah. I, I agree that, you know, that, that impact that you want to watch when you watch it the first time is the IMAX 3D, um, but the movie carries well in the 2D, and it's it's very very enjo- enjoyable. All right, so we'll just call this one the the happy podcast. <laughs> Last thing um, before we cut for a break and uh, go into some of the other elements, um, let's talk about the soundtrack, guys. Oh. So I, new uh... John Williams. <laughs> um, you know, Michael Giacchino is the usual composer for J.J. Abrams. He's worked on Lost. He's worked on uh, the Mission Impossible. He worked on what else did he work on with him? What's the other J.J. Abrams? Super movie? Mission Super Impossible did Abrams. Super A and Star Trek. Sorry. Which, three. Uh, oh, he did three. That was a yeah. Good he one, did yeah. three. Produced four and five. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Michael Giacchino, who I love, he made the best James Bond soundtrack ever with The Incredibles, and also Up, Ratatouille. Fucking love that guy. But yeah. he'll be back, I'm sure, for episodes eight and nine. Um, he also did Jurassic World this year. Fucking killed it. That was one of the best things about that movie. But John's staying throughout the trilogy, right? No. He's this not. is it. This is John Williams' last... Wow. Star Wars soundtrack. That's sad. So, I hope he can keep on par. Dude, I'm sure I'm old sure as fuck, that no, guy. No, I know. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, like, this well, this, this soundtrack represented, like, he was, I mean, it was so new, but so similar at the same time. I've been, like, listening to it nonstop on, in the car and at work. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just good. So, hopefully, you know, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll they'll, they'll keep a similar feel where... It's still new, but it's still similar and all. But it was good to, to see that here too. You know, I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is that you know when you the prequels are what they are, but at the same time it's like the prequel music is is great. It's yeah. No matter what, John Williams carries through each of these movies these these reminiscent themes. Um, these epic battle themes, um, these great space, you know, space chase themes. He has always like delivered these great soundtracks, and it's like when you think about a movie and the way like a movie moves along. If it doesn't have a good soundtrack, like I'm not gonna say if it doesn't have a good, when it has a great soundtrack, 
it makes that movie so much better. Of course. Um, and it always, I always feel like maybe it was like Star Wars that got me into classical music, that got me into playing violin, um, and and just like just feeling the emotion of what music can add to you know cinematography and the importance of it. Because if you look at like the classic silent films, you have these soundtracks that that enhance. You know, there's no voice, there's no talking, there's no anything. But it was it was. It was the music that created the emotion. It was the music that created the scene, and that and that's what really what that John Williams brings to the Star Wars universe is that he he has created these great themes for the characters, um, including like like the like the new the race theme that I can't stop humming to yeah. myself all the time. Yeah. Um, it's such it's just like using all these different instruments to um, to you know just to just to relate to the audience. To relate to the movies and the characters that 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 you know that that they're portraying. Yeah. I will say this is that I love the soundtrack. I really, really do. I think I love the soundtrack a lot because of it bringing back Han and Leia's theme. It bringing back the Jedi theme. I think that as far as standalone music, it's Ray's theme, and it's the uh, New Order music. Like that, that dun, 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 you know yeah. what I mean? Like, which is still kind of reminiscent of the Empire, obviously. I thought Snokes was impressive. That yeah, that, like that chant. Yeah, that was pretty so, creepy. Do you like, do know that like Snokes it. music from episode three, right? What? Yeah, the, the very end where things go dark. Yeah, so like, I think it was a little different, but uh, it was, was it like the exact So same? Snokes music is the same as when, the uh, Opera House? Yes. So yep. the the scene where uh, the emperor is talking to Anakin about Plagueis the Wise, which yeah, is that's we will, why it's so we cool. are going to talk about that in the next segment. Oh, I did not realize that. <laughs> that music is the same, which is obviously if you're a Star Wars fan, that's very well no shit, um, because that's what we've been talking about for a long time. But keeping with the soundtrack. <laughs> um, yes, that music is good. Um, my other favorite piece of music was the Lin Manuel Miranda, who's the creator of Hamilton, did the new uh, Cantina song from Maz Kanata's Palace, which I fucking love. <laughs> but it's not on the soundtrack, so I'm super annoyed about that. Just wait till the the DVD release where you're gonna have the. I know, but I scene. just like I'm gonna have to buy two soundtracks. No, you're gonna have the deleted What's scene with, that? with the the musical scene with the aliens singing that they're gonna add afterwards. Yes. Don't even don't even start with those special edition. <laughs> We're not talking about that. So I want anywho, an extended edition. <laughs> um, anything else that you guys want to talk about? Uh, just with the soundtrack, because, I mean, we have a ton of stuff to talk about The Force Awakens. We're at an hour. I think this is a good point to kind of transition into an, a next segment. Um, anything else you guys want to say, though, just as closing notes, real quick? We should probably make this, like, a trilogy, just like Star Wars. So we can uh, three yeah, parts. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we're uh, we're good for now. If you... Seen it, you'll see it again. All right, Tal Lights. Um, so that was part one of the Force Awakens podcast. Uh, we're going to go into part two in just, you know, the next week. So um, come back and listen to that, and we'll go more in depth on this fantastic film. And this is Casey saying, uh, may the Force try to be with you. Yeah, man. Um Always and always with you. Uh, so yeah, check us out on iTunes and Stitcher, along with the uh, social medias. Where you can where you can find those, case? Uh, check us out on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter at dfattowel. And um, we are on, like you said, iTunes and Stitcher. If you go and subscribe to us, you can get all the latest Towel Talk episodes and also part of the Don't Forget a Towel podcast network where we have a ton of other podcasts to listen to as well. We also have an awesome donation page set up on Don't Forget a Towel. Uh, we can get better equipment and a little kickback to make the site better. And all our shows even awesomer for all things geekly. Yeah, so this is Casey uh, saying bye. It's Chris. 
Later.